Luke chapter 18 is where we find ourselves this morning. We'll be reading uh, this parable from the first eight verses of Luke 18. Uh, remembering that context is king, right? Context is king as we look to God's word and seek to apply it rightly in our lives. So it's important to remember where we are in the story here. As Jesus is making his way south towards uh, Jerusalem, he's teaching, he's healing in villages along the way. Uh, and then in these next few chapters, he really picks up the pace uh, on his journey. Uh, and Luke summarizes some of the teachings of Jesus. But he's been teaching many things. Um, we're not given tremendous insight into uh, how the audience is responding a lot of the time to what Jesus is saying, particularly the disciples, but we do know that hostility is growing. We do know that opposition is growing uh, against Jesus. And so uh, in Luke's gospel here, we have uh, where Jesus warns over and over again about the allure and about the trap of stuff lure of the money and possessions and the cares of life that can just choke out uh, our our faith, choke out the the grace of God and His Word in our lives. Um, And then He gives special attention to how to resist these idols and to live uh, through prayer, seeking the uh, the strength of God, the wisdom of God continually in prayer. And so Jesus, as he works his way towards that place of final sacrifice, uh, he gives this parable. This is one that only Luke uh, mentions here in Luke 18. And he told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. He said, in a certain city there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. And there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him and saying, Give me justice against my adversary. For a while he refused. But afterward he said to himself, Though I neither fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice, that she will not beat me down by her continual coming. And the Lord said, Hear what the unrighteous judge says. And will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? This is God's holy and enduring word. Let's pray together. Lord God, we do praise you and thank you that you lisp to us through your word. Uh, language that we can understand and apply, but we cannot do this on our own. Uh, Lord, we ask you to draw near now and by your Holy Spirit illumine our hearts uh, that we might know you more. Uh, Lord, show us the importance of prayer. May we be a people of prayer. Uh, So we thank you for this story from Jesus, our Savior. It's in his name we pray, amen. When we were living in Iowa, we invited a pastor friend of ours to join us for uh, dinner um, just midweek at one point. And uh, Sam, we love Pastor Sam. We try to keep up with him whenever we can, though it can be hard to do. And uh, so we invited him over for supper. Of course, the kids were much smaller at this time, and they love seeing Sam. And so as it drew near 6 o'clock and supper time, uh, I remember one of them you know, going to the couch and peering out the window looking for Sam's car. And then as we got a little closer to 6 o'clock, all three of them are on their knees on the couch looking through the window. Is that it? Well, 
No, that one's silver. Pastor Sam's is a red Ford Taurus, not, not the silver one. Um, you can see the excitement growing. And, I, and as we got closer to 6 o'clock and Sam hadn't arrived yet, I thought, oh boy, am I going to have to break the news to the kiddos that Sam isn't going to be here? How disappointing that would have been. But thankfully he did come, um, probably late, but we, we still had uh, enjoyed our evening together. Um, but the longer we wait, the more frustrated, the more discouraged we, we can get when we don't see what we're expecting. We don't see what we hope for. I think that's been true I mean, for myself, maybe it's been true for you over the last year, over the last year and a half even. Um, things that, that you've been discouraged, maybe more than one occasion, things that you were expecting to happen that didn't end up happening. And the fact is, this type of discouragement, this type of disappointment is, seems to be so much a part of our lives. Maybe you're in that place right now of discouragement and, and disappointment. You're wondering when this season of illness is ever going to come to an end. Wondering when something is going to go right for a change. Maybe wondering if this pattern of addiction will ever stop. Wondering if family members will be able to communicate with one another again. Um, it can be very easy for us to lose heart in these times. Um, and then on top of that, you hear about you know, the, the abuse and the fraud and, and trafficking and all of these things. It can be a crushing blow to us. We long for justice. We long uh, for something to go the way that it's supposed to. Uh, things to be made right again. And so we long for Jesus. Amen? We long for Jesus. We long for the return of our King. And with every minute that our Lord Jesus tarries, we're prone to discouragement, prone to despair. And so Jesus has just answered a question here from the Pharisees about His return, when the kingdom of God would arrive, what sort of signs they could expect when that happens. But Jesus turns to them, and in effect, He says, you're looking at it. You're looking at the sign that the kingdom of God is present with you. And yet they're, they're blind to this reality. Then he turns to his disciples and shares with them what they could expect you know, in those days before his return. A return that was, that was very certain, but it will not come in the time frame perhaps that they are expecting. Uh, and then he gives this parable. So it's the story of the persistent widow that it... The context here, very, very important. We keep that previous instruction in mind. This is the posture we are to take while we are waiting for the return of the Lord Jesus. In the midst of the struggle, in the midst of the disappointment and the discouragement, we are to be a people of prayer. Could, could there be any more appropriate message for us today than what we're going to hear this morning? Um, we're tempted to lose heart, tempted to just throw in the towel or maybe to hit cruise control on our faith. Um, we need to hear the story of Jesus uh, before the return of His kingdom. So we're going to ask two questions here. Uh, the first is a why question. Uh, what's the point? What's the point of always uh, praying? And the second is more of a how question. What is the practice here of this prayer? How should we approach this in light of what seems to be a delay in the return of Jesus? Right, so what's the point? Why always pray? And so Luke makes a comment here in the opening verse. 
uh, on what his disciples are supposed to take away uh, from this story here that Jesus gives. Always pray. Keep on praying and do not lose heart. When it can be very tempting to lose heart. And then to drive that home, Jesus shares this story that moves from the lesser to the greater. If this happens, then how much more will this happen? And so a widow who's been treated very unjustly goes to a judge who appears very unconcerned, very callous in his heart. And even in this time period, a widow would have had no status. She would have no power in the community. So it would have been easy to to be overlooked, um, to be ignored by this judge who's basically saying, you know, go away, I don't have time for you. Um, Bigger fish, right? Bigger supporters I should attend to, really. Um, And that in itself, before we go any farther, that in itself is a serious problem in the life of Israel. God has a special affection for those in the greatest need. He has a special affection for the, the widow, the sojourner, the fatherless in the land. Israel was supposed to look out for people just like this, to care for them. Psalm 68, we hear the heart of God. Father of the fatherless and protector of widows is God in his holy habitation. This judge does not fear God. gives little mind to this widow. So the only thing she can do is to keep coming back and keep coming back, making her appeal and hoping that he will eventually uh, give in. And so this, this judge saying, well, she's going to be the death of me. I need to do something, and so I'll grant her justice. Um, he hears her case. Probably didn't need to hear her case again because he's heard it so often. And he grants justice for his own sanity, his own self-preservation, it would seem. He's not really all that concerned with a love for neighbor and a love for God. Kind of like that you know, mantra that the squeaky wheel gets the grease. It worked right here. Um, now Jesus is not using this judge, this character, as someone for us to admire. But again, he's moving from the lesser to the greater. If this pagan, unrighteous judge responds in this way, how much more... Will the Creator God, who is a loving Heavenly Father, hear the cries of His people? And even more than that, if we know that God is a righteous judge, that He's going to answer the cries of His people, that should move us to come to Him. That should move us to pray. And so we're not, we're not pounding on the, the empty door here of the judge's chamber, hoping that He hears us. No, He listens. He will respond doesn't just blow us off as we see this unrighteous judge doing. He judges rightly. He judges at just the right time. So what's the point? God hears and answers when we come to Him. He actually works justice in this world through the prayers of His people. Now just try to wrap your mind around that for a minute. That God uses prayer, uses your prayer in His providential working of all things everywhere. That'll blow your mind. James tells us just how how powerful prayer is as we offer up our desires. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call the elders of the church and let them pray over him. 
Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Beloved, prayer changes things. It changes others, but more importantly, it changes us. It changes the one who prays. I wish we had, had you know, more time to, to talk through just the beauty of prayer and the benefits of prayer and what that is. But if we narrow this down, most fundamentally and basically, this is a conversation we have with our Heavenly Father. We're coming before Him without pretense. All right, we're just laying our hearts and lives out before Him. He knows it all. And so we talk to Him about it all. The good, the bad, and the ugly. Our Father wants to hear from His children. And so the more we converse with our God in prayer, the more we learn about Him and the more we learn about ourselves. So let's, you know, honest check, pulse check here. Typically when we go to our God in prayer, what are we doing? Well, we're, we're asking for things. Maybe praying to get something from our God. God, please heal. God, please give. Please grant, fill in those blanks. And there is a place for those requests to make intercession. But to get things from God, including justice, like we find here in this story, that is not not the heart of prayer. The heart of prayer is to get more of God Himself. To take hold of of our God with, with all of our hearts and minds. To give Him glory. That's the point. That's the goal of of our praying while we wait. That we would know ourselves a little bit more. That we would know and trust our God more. Our God who is full of grace, full of truth. God hears and answers. But another point in, in praying now is that our judge is coming back. Jesus has just told them that the Son of Man will return. He did this just in the previous chapter, 17. Even though it appears that it's not happening. That it's delayed. Then we get to 18 verse 8. and He says, nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will He find faith on earth? Not if He comes, but when He comes. Will He find those who are praying? Who are watching for His return? And we're told that lawlessness is going to increase, that the the faith of many will grow cold. Many will despair. Many will lose heart. In Hebrews 10, we hear yet a little while, and the coming one will come, and he will not delay. Brothers and sisters, Jesus is returning. And if it seems slow, wait for it. It will surely come. It will not delay. Those are the prophet Habakkuk's words. It will not delay. And that's not easy for us, not easy for me. And I don't think it's easy for you a lot of the time. Especially in this uh, age of information, we have everything available and accessible to us. It's almost embarrassing to admit, admit but when I want to open that web page and it takes longer than like three seconds, I'm like, what's going on? I got things to do. Um, I sent a text to this person, it's been like five minutes. Where are they? What's going on? Don't they know I need this response? Waiting is hard for us. So in this hurry-up culture, are we going to be a people who are willing to wait maybe one more hour for justice? 
Are we willing to wait one more day, one more week for the return of our King? While we wait, we continue to pray. We continue to pray those words that have been on the lips of the redeemed through the ages. Come, Lord Jesus. Come quickly. That's the point. So then we look at the how piece here. How should we practice this praying? What should our posture be? And... um, and I'm not referring here to, to the actual physical posture of prayer. We may be on our knees. We may be on our faces. We may be standing up with our eyes open while we're driving, our eyes closed, hands in the air. At, we may assume that posture in prayer at any, any time. Um, but really, it's the posture here in our hearts. Um, if we are not to lose heart, we must pray with persistence and patience. Persistence and patience. Thinking of the, the British evangelist George Mueller, he's most well known for an orphanage that he had uh, directed in, in England, in Bristol. He cared for over 10,000 orphans over the course of his lifetime. He was just a godly man. He understood the, the power of prayer and the persistence needed in prayer. And uh, he prayed that two of his friends would come to Christ. And he prayed this prayer every day for 60 years. I mean, we know this from journals that he kept. Um, and one of these friends was converted just before his death uh, and the other just after uh, George Mueller's death. And they found his journal, 50,000 recorded answers to prayer. Um, that, that's more than, than one entry every day for 60 years. Um, crying out to God with every need. Believing in the power of prayer. 1 Thessalonians 5, Paul says, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing. And so some have interpreted that and the widow's actions here in this parable. You just keep going to God over and over and over again with the same request. Just keep nagging Him and eventually He'll give in and answer the prayer the way that you would like. Uh, But that's not the attitude of, of persistent prayer. We approach the throne of God. We approach the throne of His grace boldly, but humbly. We can be assertive, but not uh, presuming upon Him with our own own motives. We seek and knock and ask, trusting God will, will work in us and shape our desires, even shape how it is we should be praying. Remember, it's most significant work in us. Uh, Dr. Brian Chapley shares a story. He was sitting with a family by the bedside of a, a dear mother who was close to death. And the family was, was just praying intensely that they could have just a little bit more time with their loved one. And uh, within a few minutes, the monitors kind of went blank and it was clear that she was gone. They prayed. Oh, they prayed intensely and she revived. The beeping started again and, and she was there with them. And, and then a few minutes later, uh, she left. And they prayed and she revived. And he shares that this happened over and over again until finally he suggested to the family that they change their prayer. Peter was not God's desire that she remain with them, but to let her go into the arms of her Savior for the day would come when they would see her again. And so they, they changed their prayer and she rested into the arms of her God. And everyone there was just at peace knowing The Lord was present. The Lord had answered their prayer. Um, He's going to shape how we pray. 
even if our persistent praying yields a different outcome. Maybe it yields disappointment. The Lord is nurturing us in that. So we need to remember that um, that God's answers, God's greatest gifts may come through prayer answered in ways that, that we don't desire, would never expect. Um, and then uh, Dr. Chapel, he shares a little later in his, in his book, Praying Backwards, that in prayer there is a supernatural union between God's wisdom and our need, not our wisdom and God's supply. Do you hear the difference? God's wisdom and our need. He will apply the wisdom to the needs that we take before Him. Um, so we can have confidence. We can have confidence that He's working and preparing something even better for us than we know. He's deepening our trust. And here's how Dr. Chapel summarizes. He says, We trust our Savior because He works perfectly, not because He works quickly. And that moves us nicely into this prayer that is not only persistent, but patient. We wait for the blessed hope. Paul, Paul shares that with Titus. But we wait on God's timeline. It's a timeline that we, that we live by faith. And so for us, the Lord's justice and His return may seem delayed. It may seem like it's taking a very long time. But from God's perspective, it comes speedily. Listen to 2 Peter 3.9. The Lord is not slow to fulfill His promise as some count slowness but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. So the consummation of God's kingdom, that will always be soon on God's timeline. Always soon. And He's not the judge who is indifferent, unconcerned, so we wait patiently. I think how often a child will, will cry out to mom or dad, say, well, what does this mean? You know, why is it like this? And mom or dad could try and explain all that led up to the decision, all that's going into it, and completely overwhelm the child. Or mom or dad could respond and say, I can't tell you now, child. You must trust that I know what you need. I know when. I know how this is going to happen. Um, so th- this doesn't mean that, that we stop coming uh, to our God persistently and patiently. They go hand in hand. We keep coming to Him because we want more of Him. Our persistence, our, our, our prayer, patient prayer, it's not to wear God down. We can't do this. But to build us up in the face of disappointment or injustice or suffering. So spread out your concerns before the Lord in prayer. Bring them to Him. Just like the psalmist, open your heart. Give him, give him your cries. Give him your arguments. Well, at the same time, trust and rest that he knows what's best for you. He wants what is best. Much wiser uh, than you and I could be. Um, summarizing the, the very centrality and greatness of prayer is what Pastor Tim Keller said. He says, prayer is awe, intimacy, and struggle. Yet the way to reality, there's nothing more important or harder or richer or more life-altering. There's absolutely nothing so great as prayer. So my prayer, I hope that you'll join me in this, um, is that my, my 
attitude, my posture in this period of waiting for the return of Jesus that would be like the kids with their noses up against the window looking for Sam, wondering when he would come. Expectant, hopeful. Not slouched in the you know, TV crying, woe is me, I'm undone. Woe is me, my retirement is undone. Woe is me. Um, the Son of God is returning. He is the true, He is the righteous judge. And He's coming at just the right time. Let's be watchful. Let's watch for Him. Um, it's going to look, it just seems like a long time. Uh, but His plan is unfolding. In the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus prayed persistently while trusting in the plan of His perfect Heavenly Father. Um, he went to the cross not long after uh, this story that we've heard here to exercise God's justice. God had not delayed His vengeance upon sin and the death that it brings. And so Jesus has destroyed the power of sin and death. And when, when He, the judge, returns, it's not going to be to deal with sin. It's already been done. It's to save ultimately forever those who are eagerly watching and waiting for him is that you is that me we watching and praying let's do that now together lord god we are so grateful that you hear our prayers that you enable us to do this very thing to cry out to you with our our praises and and thanks our concerns lord you hear them all we're grateful that you hear the prayers that we should pray to you. You know what we should pray and you will answer perfectly in your timeline. Lord, thank you for your infinite wisdom that is combined with our need. Lord, grow our, our trust, deepen our faith as we wait for you. May we be found faithful. May we be found hopeful. May we be found watchful for you, our Savior. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen.